Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everyone, welcome to the afternoon here on Ausbiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company on a day where the market's holding up pretty well, I suspect because of BHP and Rio and the massive um, impact they have on the index after America uh, didn't go so well again last night with all of the problems. But uh, an interesting market at the moment. Uh, uh, this is a program called the call. We look at 10 stocks that you suggest. We uh, put them to, I put them to an expert panel uh, for their adjudication. Uh, what a panel we've got today. Carl Kapalinga from um, uh, Think Markets in Western Australia, um, nervously on the edge of letting <laughs> other people into the state tomorrow. Two my, days. Wa- my wife's it, on the first plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. Tomorrow, I thought I, I thought I had two days. It's only tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. So we now we'll be uh, bunkering down here, sealing all the doors and windows, and just hoping for the best. <laughs> yep, the the hermit kingdom is opening up. Um, that's so right. that's fantastic to Slowly, see. Reluctantly. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial is with us. Michael, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Surviving, which is good. It's well, surviving the weather, surviving the news flow. It's all happening at the moment. Jeez, that's, that's a fairly <laughs> downbeat response. You're so upbeat. Um, market's tough at the moment, isn't oh, it, to, to read what's happening? It's very tough to read. There's a lot to digest, and you'd have to argue that the risks are elevated to the downside. So you kind of feel tempted as an investor always to be either buying or selling. And we sort of spoke off here, maybe now's the time to just to be doing nothing. Yep. Sit on the sidelines. Sit line. on the sidelines and, and watch it all play out and, yeah. and fingers crossed for everyone over in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, Carl, what are, you, uh, what are you advising your clients to do at the moment? Because it is, it is hard to know where we're going from here. It sort of changes every day, the volatility. Yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> I've actually publicly come out and said both on Ausbiz, I think last Friday and in my client um, webinar on Tuesday, I've said, look, I actually don't know where we're going. So I think it takes a brave person to admit you have no idea where the market's going to be in, say, a week's time, three weeks' time. We've got a pretty good idea where it's going to be in, say, three years' time. But that short-term volatility um, could take a pretty decent chunk out of your portfolio if you start to be a bit silly now and start to jump into things because okay. they kind of look cheap. Um, so what, so what, are, what is, are your charts saying, oh, technical guru? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the, the charts are saying that many of the major global indices have turned the corner. We have turned oh. from a, a bull phase. We've gone oh, through right. a transition phase where we're, we're equilibrium and now we're moving more into a bear phase. So the charts are, are not pointing in the right direction. So we're just telling clients, look, if, if, you, if you've got cash, just sit in it right now. This could be just the first phase, phase of what could be a broader correction. I hope I'm wrong. I totally hope I'm wrong. But don't apply that cash just yet. Things are going to look cheap, but they could look a lot yeah. cheaper. Just thinking about the lessons we learned uh, from the GFC, uh, where you know everybody thought you know, something that was at $10 at $5, or that's a bargain. And then it was at $1 not that long yeah. afterwards. So I don't want to scare anybody. 
but just uh, play it like Fonzie and just be cool for the short <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. Make like Fonzie and just be cool. I've got to steal that one. Um, it's a bit of a common theme that we're getting amongst our experts here, here on the call. That, um, another leg down as expected. Uh, maybe sit tight to the middle of the year where we could get a, uh, a better direction on where things are going. So be a bit patient. That's really fascinating. Um, in the first half of the program, we're going to be talking about uh, Silex Systems, InvoCare, the listed funeral director, which um, announced results last week, I think, uh, or earlier this week, with an amazing new revenue stream, which uh, we'll talk about when we get to InvoCare, and Investor Group, uh, not Investor, Vista Group, uh, Fortescue and Adairs in this half hour. But I thought uh, for a stock of the day, we uh, wanted to do something uh, a bit different. Um, look at Core Lithium. Core Lithium out today with um, signing a new contract, um, an increased production contract with, um, with Tesla, um, which has um, uh, really affected its share price as well. Carl, what did you think of the, the Core Lithium announcement and how does it look? Well, I guess it doesn't matter what I think about it. It only matters really what the market thinks about it. And is there's a message there. Don't uh, get too uh, you know, log, bog, bogged down by your opinions. Only the market opinion, uh, opinion matters. So market opinion is that the market likes it. Of yeah. course, you put the word Tesla in there. It's going to be really exciting. Um, 110,000 uh, kilotons of uh, spodumene concentrate over four years. And that was got. I looked at it on the, uh, at the first pass and I, I saw, oh, wow, 110,000. That's great. And then I saw the next bit, which said over four years. So that's really only you know, 27,000 a year, or give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, look, it is an important piece of the puzzle in uh, getting uh, that production spoken for. So when, when you get to this stage, as core lithium is, which is you know, mining production is imminent, probably the end of the year, um, they're going to start producing. Uh, you, 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 for that, sh- you know, for surety of cash flows, you, you need to get these um, offtake agreements signed. So they've, they've got about 150 already locked locked up. So they're going to produce 200,000 kilotons a year. 150 was already locked up. And this kind of takes care of, of half of what's left over. So look, it, it's a great announcement. It's an important announcement, but maybe the market's getting a little bit excited right. about it. Having said that, I still like the company. Um, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time I was on with uh, a couple of times ago with Henry yeah. uh, Jennings. We both said it was our, uh, you know, our, our key pick in that uh, lithium space. Uh, I still think it's one of the better ones out there. Definitely stick with it. If you don't have it, I think after today's pop, I think you're better off waiting for a bit of a pullback because they will come. Inevitably, pullbacks will occur, yep. especially in a market like this. Um, so definitely a hold, not quite a buy just yet. Wait for a pullback. Yeah. Great chart, yeah. though. 15% jump is pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Tesla did, a, was it Piedmont, the other lithium producer? Tesla yeah, there was, did a, there's a few of these announcements. A few, yeah. uh, we're on a couple of weeks. I can't remember <clears> the name, but there was another yeah. agreement that was signed by one of the big um, car companies. So. Yeah. Definitely a lot of that supply that's starting to emerge into the market is being mopped up quickly, which is a good sign. And it's definitely a sector which is booming. This has been a terrific performer. Um, yeah, so Liontown, I think, was the other one right. from a, a yes. couple of weeks ago. This is uh, Core Lithium now. So basically, this sector's hot. So any news is seen as good news. Yeah. The momentum to the upside just continues to be maintained. And, and it's news for actual production, isn't it? Which is starting to set some of the lithium companies apart, the ones that are right. right. We've got production agreements, others saying, oh, we've got a good deposit. Well, they're there. The thing is, 
these guys have had a very good deposit, which they're now very close to bring into production. Yep. And that's almost the sweet spot for, for any company, really. Yep. Whenever they transition from being a loss maker to potentially bringing revenue through the door, it's always a good sign. It shows that management have been able to execute quite nicely. So, look, will I jump in right now? It, it's difficult to say because there's just been so much positivity embedded in the price. Uh, so I'll be tempted to just hold and, and wait and, and see with this. And, Look at that, and, 18 yeah, it's an incredible cents performance. 18 cents the middle of last year, now yeah. 96. Yeah, it's because they've got closer and closer to production. Yeah. So and, 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 and as they've delivered, the market's really started to embed okay. all of that into the price. And as Carl pointed out, a lot of that production has been already on sold. So right. a lot of that market risk is out of there. Although I will point out with this Tesla arrangement, they did note that the pricing of this will be market price. Right. The finer terms will be nutted out by August of this year. So there's still a little bit, bit of detail to come. So it could be a case of the market sort right. of getting a bit of carried away. So that's for that reason, I'd be careful. Okay, you'd hold, keep I'd hold it. I'd hold it because it's, the momentum's yeah. terrific and this whole space is one of the few bright spots of the market at the moment. Yep. Okay. All right, let's get into the stocks you want us to take a look at. Um, Michael, uh, Jason wants to be on Silex Systems. A uh, bit of a tech um, company in the in the resources area. It has the Silex laser enrichment technology um, for uranium. Yeah, so interesting company. Um, definitely, sort of on the cutting edge of uranium enrichment. Normally, it's done through gas centrifuge, and and there's another gas enrichment process as well. So basically, there's two enrichment processes for uranium. Yep. Um, Silex has effectively come up with a a third option which is meant to enrich the uranium even further uh, than those more traditional measures. So on that basis, the technology seems very, very good and very, very useful, but it's difficult because the business is going to need a lot of capital to keep expanding uh, and in order to sort of maintain the development of this particular technology. So it's one of those companies where the story and the narrative sounds good but the execution and actually getting revenue in the door is right. the next critical step. Because I think hmm. this technology, it's been around for a while now. Um, this company's had the, the patent or whatever you call it on it, um, but they still to this point haven't been able to commercialize it. And for that reason, it's still on the higher risk end of the spectrum. Right. Um, definitely an interesting story, but too early stage probably right. for us at the moment. Carl? Yeah, look, it's interesting. Michael says early stage. It's um, I, I look. I think they are early stages, but they've been around for about twenty five years trying to get this yeah. this deal done um, to the point where they've got something commercial. Um, so twenty five years into what I think is going to be probably about a thirty two year cycle. So they've got about seven years to go to get to the point where they're actually got any cash coming in the door. Um, so you do need to be patient. Um, look, uh, you always have to say, okay, well. Um, the technology is good. Then, then what's the upside from there? And yes, uh, the, the, so the deal is that they could uh, enrich this uranium, uranium so much that it could be uh, produced in this, used in this next generation of reactors that are, that are coming out. And there are literally hundreds of these planned uh, for construction as the world tries to get closer and closer to zero um, carbon emissions. So. Yes, there's this great big uh, potential, but we're still, uh, so we're obviously 2022 now, 2025 before the pilot plan is up and running, uh, wow. 2027 before the next stage, which is where they're going to be able to produce commercial quantities. It, you know, it could be 2030 really. So you have to take a really long-term view. And in that respect, 
I don't think I could be bothered. I'm looking at the chart. Um, the chart's not great, not terrible, and it's going to just ebb and flow based upon market interest. I'm trying to find the chart. Here we go. And if you look at it, it's, it's really flat over the last six months. There's a slight skew to the upside um, over the last, last, say, 12 months, but most of that is to do with the uranium price. So uranium okay. prices have bounced. We've had you know a five, six-year downtrend in uranium prices, which finally turned the corner in 2021. If you believe some of the research from the think tanks on this, um, we are going to move back towards a supply deficit probably over the next couple of years. So um, if that's your idea about holding Silex because uranium prices are going up, I think you're going to have to still probably wait a while and probably be disappointed. Okay. I'd swing this back and say, look, if you like uranium, look at Boss Energy, ticker code BOE, and Paladin. Now, these are the two that are, are most likely to be in uh, production if that uranium price continues to, to rally um, the, the, the quickest to market and then to take advantage of that uh, rising price. So I don't I don't hate Silex. I just don't think I can buy it now. And I think there are better alternatives in the space. OK. All right. Let's go from uranium enrichment to uh, funeral <laughs> directors and crematorium owners, uh, Invocare, um, which announced results late last week. And interestingly, during the pandemic, total deaths in Australia um, are lower um, than ever before. Would you believe last year uh, car deaths were, were the lowest for 100 years or something? Um, so despite us focusing on COVID deaths, because we've been in lockdowns and so hygienic, uh, uh, other deaths have fallen off. But out of InvoCare's results, I found this fascinating, Carl. Um, they had 87,500 pet cremations in the last six months, and that was up 500%. So it was the fastest growth area in the business. And I mentioned that during a commercial break to my son arrives host Natalie Vartaday. Uh, her cat, Flash the Cat, um, is on its last legs, and, yeah. and which is quite an emotional for the family. But she said she was stunned. The vet gave her a brochure on all the funeral alternatives for Flash the Cat, which included yeah, cremation look, and everything. It was huge. Yeah, and look, uh, you know, it's it's a first world. Um, uh, problem or slash luxury, isn't it, to yeah. have the ability to do that? But that more and more people are choosing uh, to do it that way, and um, I can, yeah, you know, I can, I can see why. In many ways, your, your pet becomes effectively part of the family, and you look, yeah. it's a great area of growth for them. Still, um, you know, a smaller proportion of their overall earnings, but as you say, uh, with the growth that's in there, it's definitely going to um, figure more prominently for them in the future. And you're right about um, them having a tough time during a pandemic, a global pandemic, lots of people dying, uh, but uh, Invocare not doing too well. Uh, not good for Invocare, great for everybody else because we stopped getting the flu and obviously the flu kills yeah. a lot of, um, you know, uh, elderly and, and, and people that were ill anyway. Um, so the good news is now, is it the good news or the bad news? The good news is more people are going to start to die again um, from all of these uh, activities and, and, and causes. So I don't know if that's uh, that bad news for everyone, but great news for Invocare, okay? <laughs> because it looks like they are swinging back to, to growth. However, they're kind of um, still priced... Um, like, I mean, their earnings have, have declined, but their price didn't really go down as much as what their earnings are. Mm. So what that means is you look at their P-E ratio, they've got a really high P-E at the moment. So they're trading on about 40 times last wow. year's earnings. Yeah, which is high for, for what should mm. be a defensive stock. You think defensive stocks should have low P-Es, but because of that sort of um, weird sort of way the market continued to believe and look past the, the, the valley of COVID, 
the price kind of stayed high, but earnings fell. So now earnings expected to bounce back. It's going to bring that PE down, but not enough to get me excited for what is ultimately a defensive, okay. moderate growth stock. So look, yeah. I think it's, it is going to be one of those sleep at night um, portfolio holdings you could have. But as a growth investor, I'm going to just pass on that. Mm. Having said that, the chart, look, chart looks really good. So if you've got it, definitely hang on to it. Um, right. They're going to bounce back to a reasonable dividend yield and uh, and growth. So that's tick, tick. You, you, your position will be supported, but not. I wouldn't tell my yeah. clients necessarily to buy okay. this one. And Michael, before the pandemic, they were investing a lot in their funeral homes, weren't they, to yeah. give them liquor licenses so you could have the wake there and that was going to be an extra revenue stream. And then the pandemic came and boom. Yeah, they spent, I think, $450 million on various CapEx projects. Um, and unfortunately, that sort of coincided with earnings dropping off. So you got a situation where yeah. their spending was through the roof, earnings had come back a long way. This business did a terrific job over the last couple of decades, really just consolidating the funeral industry. Um, historically, it's been a lot of mum and dad type operations and, and smaller funeral homes. Uh, they went around and consolidated all of that. They've got, I think, about 17 cemeteries and crematoria. So they're very, very large. They are the dominant player. Uh, however, over the last five years, they've been losing market share. Uh, and that might mm. be because a few of their funeral homes have been out of action for refurbishments, yep. etc. But nevertheless, it's never a good sign when you're the incumbent and you're losing market share like that. COVID had the impact, obviously, of reducing deaths, but also people that did pass away because no one could go to the funerals, you might not have spent up on the expensive package with the gold casket yep. or whatever it may yeah. be. So all those factors played into it. Um, the company doesn't have a lot of leverage. The, the balance sheet's pretty conservatively geared. Uh, and the market is expecting that those earnings will come back. But historically, over, particularly over the last five years, it's been pretty much range bound. The time to buy it's probably, you know, sub $10 and then look mm. to sell it on the upside. But the growth rates just really aren't that exciting. Um, and the earnings growth rates are obviously under pressure. The fact that they're losing market share means for me, it's very difficult to be, get overly excited about. Yep. So I'm going to okay. give it a, a, a sell just because I wouldn't buy it. I mean, you could hold it as well, but I'm just going to go a sell. Okay. All right. Um, similar story, I suppose, for uh, our third stock. Kyle wants a view on Vista Group. Now, they're attached to the cinema um, industry, providing management software, distribution software, analytic tools for, for basically a, a cinema, cinema management software web package. Um, of course, cinemas been hit hard with the pandemic. Uh, Lib and I went to cinema uh, on the weekend. I think we were, went peak time. There were only five of us really? in the cinema. So it's, it's only coming back, Michael, really slowly, isn't it? Yeah. As people think, oh, maybe I don't want to go to the movies and sit with other people. Yeah, and their results, I think, reflected that. Um, yeah. I think they underwhelmed the market expectations and you've seen the share price come down off the back of that. Leading into COVID, it was actually a very well-run business. Yes. Um, very good revenue growth, very good earnings growth, things like return on equity were very strong. Um, however, they do have now rising debt levels and their free cash flow generations turn negative. So it is not, not the worst business in the world by any means. And in a different environment, you could be uh, tempted to look at it. Um, mm. And if, if you can start to see the numbers improve, then I think it's probably worth looking at, but Look I think it's a little bit too early. at yeah. its peak, sort of six months before the, the, that March pandemic yeah. crunch. 
That's a long way from five ninety. Yeah, it? and the thing is, look, it could resume that upward trend. It might not get back to five dollars anytime soon. But if it gets to three or four dollars, you've done very, very yeah. well. And it is a dominant player when it comes to cinema technologies globally. I think they've got about excluding China, 51% of the market share globally oh, wow. for oh, the sorts of services that. and technology yeah. that they provide. So there is a very good business somewhere in there all amongst it, but I think you want to get confirmation of the return to old right. trends before you, you jump in. But so one to bit, have on the watch early. list. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Carl? Yeah, look, that's the tough bit, isn't it? When are they going to get back to the, the, the pre-COVID trends? And they were doing really well. So that um, chart, if we maybe if we could pop that back up on screen, that five-year chart, because the five -year, um, yeah. what's yeah, well, what's what's really um, interesting and important for viewers to note is that charts are. I, mean, I always talk about my charts. I love my charts, but people yeah. think they're a bit of ho hocus pocus and black magic, but really all the chart is is a, a really a schedule. Uh, of the, the stock's underlying earnings because people are effectively buying uh, those earnings. So if you look at, um, we've got, it doesn't quite go back to 2016, but I'll give you some numbers. So in 2016, earnings per share uh, were, uh, scroll up here, Carl, uh, 6.2 cents, 2017, 7 cents, 2018, 8 cents, all going great. Then the pandemic hits, uh, we go to minus 9 cents, to minus yeah. two cents, uh, and then we've got to bounce back to one cent next year, four and a half cents a year after, and then by FY24 back to about eight cents, so sort of pre-pandemic. So that chart is just a direct reflection of that EPS, earnings right. per share, and therefore it's what people will pay for those earnings. So we have to look so, forward. So okay. you're saying it could get back up to four bucks? It, well, it, it'll depend on earnings, and that's that's the risk. That's the risk you take yeah. as an investor. What's your guess? What's your guess of earnings a year, two, three years down the track? And all of our guesses as investors come together and create supply and demand, which then creates the chart. So the chart was looking pretty good until Omicron. Omicron's taken a huge chunk out of it. Yeah. Um, and then you have to say, well, is there something hiding after Omicron? I don't know. One upside is, look, they do have great exposure. Um, Michael mentioned China, India. These are, these are um, you know, emerging markets where, let's face it, um, uh, Koshi, I, I don't take this the wrong way. You and I are old, maybe with different versions of old, but, and, and we might not go to the cinemas, but I'll tell you what, my kids are loving the cinemas and they're taking all their friends and they're, and they're going back to right. do that. So they're kind of the next generation. Uh, and, and, and so don't count mm -hmm. this one out. There is, a, there is a very, very good product there. It's, they've got half the market share, as Michael says, sure. and it really does everything you need in the space. So I think this is a really, really good business. The question is, do we take the punt now? And that's where I'll defer to the chart. So it's something I'm going to keep an eye on. Um, I don't think it's crazy expensive here. I think it's probably about fairly valued, but the chart is still short-term downtrend, long-term trend is neutral. I need to see it pick up again. If I can see right. it get back above $2 with a little bit of volume, um, a little bit of momentum, some candles, that's going to tell me that the market's view right. of those earnings are improving and therefore it's something I need to focus on. For now, I'm happy to hold it on the basis of a great company, great valuation, but I can't get to a buy. Okay, and uh, both of you have got it on the watch list, which is uh, telling as well. Keep an eye on it. Um, Carl, Mike wants a view on Fortescue. Uh, Mike says, I bought FMG um, at around $14, uh, now currently uh, still pretty good. Um, should I sell? In my 20s, I feel I made a great investment decision on this. Should I hold and capitalise it or and sell later or, or sell now? Yeah, look, great buy. And 14 bucks was, was, was right down there at the low. That was sort of ex-dividend yeah. as well. So um, obviously, you wouldn't have got the benefit of the $2.11 dividend. But uh, nonetheless, 
uh, the price obviously rallied up to 23s as the iron ore price rallied up to into the 150s. And that's kind of what how I think you need to focus on Fortescue. Yeah. So obviously there's uh, Fortescue Future Industries, you know, very interesting things, ambitious things with uh, green hydrogen, green ammonia as well. Uh, they've uh, got a prototype for um, a, a bulk ore carrier that's powered by green ammonia. They've got a prototype for one of those big mm. uh, haul trucks that's powered by green ammonia. Um, so very interesting things there, but ultimately the ebb and flow daily price action is going to be based upon the iron ore price, which I think, I think is going to stay stubbornly higher than many analysts have predicted. So if you look at the long range um, uh, predictions by most analysts for iron ore, it's around about that $80 a tonne, okay? So if you go back sort of five years, it, the average is probably a little bit lower than that. So $80, maybe some of the more bullish ones up around 100. You know, currently iron ore prices are around sort of 130 to 140. So we're way above that. Um, I think 120 is probably a, a fair value for the next 12 months or so. Outside of that, probably 100. So I'm a little bit more bullish. And that means I think that markets, the market has this one a little bit wrong here. So um, I like Fortescue. I like the yields. I like the opportunity. The only thing I would uh, suggest is that um, you know, costs are probably the main issue for them at the moment. Over here in WA, um, it's very tight in terms of um, getting uh, getting workers, new workers. Obviously, borders are opening. Hopefully, um, that may may actually uh, uh, contribute to alleviating that, and that will um, probably bear out in the next six, uh, well, next quarterly, but maybe in the next six months report. So, um, if the market's got it wrong on iron ore, if the market's got it wrong on costs, there could be a buying opportunity here on Fortescue. So, um, I'm going to call it a hold. The chart is not quite at a buy. I need to see a little bit more happen in the chart, but definitely hold it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of negative people out there on Fortescue. I'm not one of them. Okay. Uh, Michael, they pay a great dividend, don't they? <laughs> certainly. Certainly. They've been a great cash, cash cow, cow. Yeah. Um, along with a lot of the iron ore miners in recent years. And they are very, very cyclical businesses. I've probably been wrong on Fortescue Metals for the last, you know, three, four, five years um, so I might as well stay the course because one day I'll be right. <laughs> Basically, the problem for mine with Fortescue is at the moment it trades on a lower free cash flow yield than its peers. Um, its recent result was completely fine. It did slightly miss on um, the dividend payout ratio that the market was hoping for. They are flagging some inflationary pressures, lack of workers, that sort of thing. But when you look at the margins compared to BHP, Rio, Vale, they're significantly lower. It's okay now because there's a lot of demand for their inferior quality iron ore because the iron ore price is so high. What worries me is once the iron ore price comes down, that demand could be short-lived for their sort of lower quality And you think it product. will come down? And, and I think, look, it's hard to say for sure. Obviously, you've got to look at China. They're having issues with their property market at the moment, which is, which is something that will take some time to flow through. So from my standpoint, I just think now's the time to be a little bit cautious, particularly with Fortescue Metals. I understand if you want to have some exposure to iron ore, then the best pick probably from my standpoint is still BHP and even Rio Tinto to some extent. Um, the new sort of tangent that the business is going on as well with Fortescue Metals with some of those greener energy themes is a bit of a black box when it comes to what they're actually yep. spending and the return on that investment. It could be incredible. And, and Twiggy Forest has obviously had a, a very good track record in delivering large scale projects that become ultra profitable um, organizations. But there's also a risk that that doesn't occur and it takes a lot longer than people hope to occur. So yeah. I'm cautious on Fortescue. I'm happy to give it a sell um, just because of that trend that's on at the moment. Right. And I think when you ideally you want to buy commodities, 
when the cycle is very, very negative. We had that a few years ago. It's been sort of building quite nicely in recent times, but I still get the feeling that we're closer to the top of that commodity cycle than the bottom. Just given where we are in global growth, you might get a situation if interest rates do move higher and, and quickly, you might get a situation where the global economy starts to slow a little bit. So far, it looks fine, but looking out two, three years, if central mm. banks are forced to act very, very quickly, you might get a situation where it puts a bit of a handbrake on global okay. growth. So, all right, sell for me. Okay, uh, Tom wants a view, uh, Michael, on Adairs, the uh, home furnishing, homewares uh, group, the retailer. Yeah, so this is a business that did extremely well leading into COVID and then made the most of the situation with COVID. And again, you look at the balance sheet, all those key numbers look very, very good. Revenue, earnings, margins, return on equity. But this is an example of a company that's almost been a victim of their success in that their recent result underwhelmed the market. And this is the problem that many of these retailers are going to have is as they transition out of COVID, will they be able to sustain the demand that was there previously? Highly unlikely. Secondly, will they be able to meet the expectations of the market? And the market and the analysts are really just trying to guess as to where demand is going to settle now that COVID sort of washed its way through the system, at least for now. So it's a bit of a challenge when you're looking at these companies that have been such good performers for so long, how are they going to perform in a normalised world? Um, and so far in the case of Adairs, it did underwhelm slightly and hence they've come under mm. a bit of pressure. And look, they're significantly back from their highs. And you look at cases in the US and, and in Australia, you've seen many businesses that rocketed up during COVID have since come back to earth yeah. as expectations have been re-rated. So for mine, I think there's still a lot to play out here in terms of finding that natural equilibrium for the earnings of this company. So for that reason, steering clear, particularly whilst same store sales growth numbers are down, um, they also flag big issues with inflationary pressures, yep. um, just being able to ship goods in and that sort of thing. Um, so that still has a lot to play out, I think. So just be careful with this one. Mm. Again, if you've been in this for a while, even a couple of years, you've done extremely well. Now might be the time to lock that profit in and look for opportunities elsewhere because there's a plethora of very high quality companies that have come back a long, long way. Sure. Uh, Carl? Yeah, it's a tough one, a bit like Fortescue, where um, their, their earnings are being undermined by rising costs. Um, so we've got, uh, they've had significant issues with their uh, um, couriers for, for, deliver, um, uh, for deliveries. Uh, they've got um, uh, supply chain issues, getting stuff out of China has been, has been a major, major issue. Uh, just staff, uh, it, it, Omicron, it's, it's, it's all kind of came together in that last half and that's what the market's reacted to. So if you kind of look at the chart, uh, it was kind of flat there, uh, beaten down a bit by Omicron and then the big drop has come from that uh, January um, profit downgrade. And on the, if you just look at the technicals, you would have to say that there's, there's enough damage done now um, to, to go with Michael and call it a sell. Um, and then on the fundamentals, the valuation is not all that um, stretched. So it wasn't a very, um, quote unquote, expensive stock to start off with. So we're talking about trading on under 10 times this year's earnings, um, assuming they bounce back to growth eight times next year's, you know, seven times a year after. Um, but the market is reacting to this question mark now over that growth. So can they um, get back to the growth that the market was expecting before this last update? Um, the, the chart is suggesting no. Uh, and on that basis, as, as, as good as this stock was and probably still is, I just think there's enough, enough uncertainty out there 
as Michael says, just to take some money out of it. And whether you just sort of sell half and keep half because there is a quality, quality, quality business there that's not that expensive um, with a great dividend yield as well, um, I just don't think you want to hold a, a, hold a full position here. So mm -hmm. we talked about, I uh, talk often about, you know, um, uh, getting in <coughs> in stages as you become more and more confident yep. that you're on the right track, but also you don't have to be all out either. So you can kind of hedge your bets a little bit and say, well, there's a quality company there, um, but there's also increased uncertainty as well. So I'll sell half my position. Okay. All right, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks. Stock of the day, Core Lithium, uh, a hold from both uh, Carl and Michael. Uh, Silex, a no from both, um, both watching it. Um, Carl was saying if, if you want exposure to, to uranium, Boss and Paladin are probably the way to go. His better alternatives. Uh, Invocare, a uh, hold from Carl, a sell from uh, from Michael. Uh, Vista, a no from both, but interesting level, well-run company. Might be a bit early for the opening up uh, play there, but certainly both have it on their watch list. Fortescue, a hold from uh, from Carl, a sell from Michael, and with the dares, a no from both of them. And if you've uh, run it up, maybe take some profits. Um, here at the call, we have our own fantasy portfolio. Uh, our new version is live. Our first investment committee meeting is available online for you to watch how our experts picked which stocks made it into the call's high conviction fund. Uh, let's have a look at the, what, what the portfolio looks like. Uh, there's an equal allocation to BHP, Macquarie Bank, uh, Minres, uh, Steadfast Group, Aristocrat Leisure, Ordinate, CSL, NextDC and Universal Stores, and a half unit, if you like, in Qantas and Frontier Digital Ventures, um, and 20% is being held in cash. Uh, every month the committee will meet to assess the buys, the holds and the sells, as discussed every day here on the call. If a unanimous buy comes up from our expert panel, it goes to the investment committee. If one of the stocks in the portfolio gets a unanimous sell here at the, uh, at the call from the expert panel, uh, it goes to the committee as well on whether to take that stock out of the portfolio. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking into next month. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. In the second half of the uh, the call, uh, Lithium Energy, Charter Hall, Bravura, um, Sky, Network TV and Grain Corp are the stocks that we're going to be taking a look at. Um, so first off, Peter wants to, uh, Carl wants an opinion on Lithium Energy. Uh, what do you think, LIS Energy? Yeah, this one's a, a tough cookie to crack. Um, Look, interesting business. So what they do is they've got uh, this technology to create a lithium sulfur battery. Now, uh, currently the, the standard is your lithium iron and there are lithium metal batteries out there as well. Um, it really is, well, the, the, the best one is gonna be the one that has, uh, the, that is the most energy dense 
which obviously uh, allows it to uh, last longer uh, per charge. Uh, and then you've also got your longevity issues as well. So you want a battery that can go through uh, many, many um, charge and discharge cycles. And this is kind <coughs> of the, 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 the Da Vinci code that uh, current manufacturers are trying to crack is to get uh, both you know, the, the density and then the, the long-term reliability up. So we don't go from a 500 uh, kilometer range on our EVs, we go to a thousand kilometers uh, plus potentially people talking 2,000 kilometres, uh, and we're going to sort of, you know, a million um, you know, potential, um, sorry, I should say, uh, a thousand, uh, you know, 2,000 cycles as well. So uh, they, they uh, now lithium sulphur has been problematic since uh, since people have been interested in this technology because basically uh, it, 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 the batteries typically only last a few charges because of um, degradation of your lithium ion. Uh, long story short, these guys have, uh, through a partner, got some uh, boron nitride nanotube technology. How about that? Uh, which uh, inhibits that degradation of that lithium um, anode and therefore allows the battery um, to, to get through and, and last as many cycles. So they're talking about 1,100 uh, cycles, I think, uh, charge-discharge cycles. They're talking about uh, approximately five or six times more energy dense. So um, where they are right now is producing, they've produced literally about 500 of these very small um, pouches, single, single pouch cells. Um, they're testing them. They appear to be doing the right thing. They've moved on to the next stage now where they're bundling these pouches together to make um, multi-cell yeah. packs, which is okay. what you end up using in your, in your car. So you, 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 your battery in your Tesla isn't a single battery. It's, 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 it's a bunch of these smaller batteries all um, sort of um, linked together. Uh, now, it is. we keep saying this on the call, and I know it's frustrating for viewers who, who know these stocks and love these stocks, but we keep saying these words, early stages, Koshi. Uh, and then we, we're very boring, aren't we? We're very, very conservative. We say it's too early stages for me. And I know viewers hate that because they really love these um, companies and the stories. But yes, um, there is a great opportunity here, but it's not without its risks. So people that are, that are wed, uh, you know, wedded to this story, there are other um, uh, groups out there working on this technology. Um, there's one at uh, Drexel University in the USA that has come up with a, 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 um, a process that doesn't involve these um, boronitrate nanotubes. Because these things, at one stage were costing a million dollars a kilo to produce. Uh, wow. Now they've got a supplier that seems to be doing it a lot cheaper than that, but but the, the question is whether they'll be able to produce enough of that to, to, to get into commercial production. Um, they do have some other um, avenues to uh, to revenue in terms of uh, other products they have, but probably the packs are the main thing. So uh, I would say having done quite a bit of uh, research into this company uh, since I, I found out it was going to be on, uh, very interesting high risk, uh, potentially high reward. I'm going to defer to the chart. The chart is top left, bottom right. It's basically black candle after black candle after black candle uh, since its IPO. And that would suggest to me that the market is concerned about potentially some of the competition out there, concerned about their ability to commercialise this. And until yeah. I start to see white candles pop in, high peaks and high troughs, moving averages turn up, it's not one for me. So unfortunately, no. interesting company, no. early stages, yeah. not for me. Yeah, and Michael, that, that's the issue, isn't it? You might love the company, you might like the story, it might be early stage, but you guys as professional investors, you're in, you want stocks that are going to make you money because even though you love it, say you have a thousand bucks in lithium energy and it's too early, you know, that, that the opportunity cost of that thousand dollars doing nothing for four yeah. or five years when you could put that thousand dollars into something that would give you a good return. That, that's how you assess it, don't you? That's exactly right. And unless you've got a, a very unique strategy whereby you're looking to pick you know, 20 of these 
exciting emerging technologies and you have and no benchmarking and it's a small yeah. part of your portfolio or, or that's a different strategy, then it makes sense for some people, but it's just a, a very difficult space to play in yeah. unless you have intimate knowledge of the company, the founders and all that sort of thing can be very, very challenging and a long, long wait. And you've got to have the willingness to keep piling more and more capital yeah. into these companies as well, because there are so many different stages of development and commercialization. Right. And each of those stages will just need more and more cash. So what ends up happening is investors just keep piling more and more, diluting yeah. their existing shares. And it just becomes something that you don't want to be a part of. But look, this particular business, Carl summed it up incredibly well. There's not much more I can add to that. Um, it's one of these things where the story is very good. There's obviously very smart Australians out there doing wonderful things, but I mean, there's a lot of companies in a similar situation that have just gone yeah. by the wayside. And given the large expenses that are involved in developing this product, it does, it's another deterrent in many ways because yeah. it just means they're going to keep burning through more and more cash. But it's another lesson when looking at it. It's obviously a recent listing, only been listed for less than a year or something. Yeah. All the hype and, and the build-up was embedded in the price. The price did extremely well initially off the IPO. So those that got in pre-IPO probably were over the moon. But it's a good lesson that if you do invest in an IPO or, or you miss the IPO, but you're looking at the company, give it a six months or so for yeah. the, the dust to settle um, and for those that are looking to get out to get out before reassessing because the okay. trend there is pretty terrible and I wouldn't be looking to jump sure. in just yet. And uh, Carl, thanks for putting all the, the work into understanding that company. It was a really good explanation. Uh, Michael, something um, a bit more conservative mm. and a bit more traditional. Grace wants a view on Charter Hall, the big property manager. Grace says, is this a safe property play? Look, it's been a terrific performer. Uh, Charter Hall and Goodman Group really sort of transformed the property industry going back a few years. They're sort of the two years. leaders. They're the leaders, two leaders they? and they've moved from, they obviously still do developments and stuff like that, but this particular vehicle just manages the different funds that they have and they collect management fees for, for managing the various properties that they do. So often what happens is they'll find a very attractive site, they'll then find a tenant who wants to take that site and then they'll find a buyer of the site once it's all been developed um, and built. So that might be a big super fund or something, someone looking for five, six percent on industrial property. They'll find a tenant like Amazon or, or yep. a Coles or something and they'll basically put together the transaction before they outlay any capital. So that way when they know that they build and develop the site that they've got a good a good, good tenant tenants. and a good yeah. willing buyer and then basically Charter Hall will sit in the middle and they'll manage that property ongoing right. they'll collect the management fees for doing that but basically it's a fund manager um, not too dissimilar from a typical equity fund manager but in the property space as the value of their assets go up they'll clip the ticket more um, they'll get performance fees etc so they're, they're very good business models they've recently had a bit of a foray into the equity uh, funds management business by acquiring paradise investments or or right. a portion yeah. of that um, so they've been a wonderful manager for a number of years. Obviously, rising asset prices, property prices have been beneficial. The question mark is with rising interest rates, will the rate of growth continue um, or will they decline? Those sorts of things. So I probably think that the best of the gains are probably behind us, but that's not to say it's not a very high quality proposition. I mean, we've recently been buying Goodman Group on the pullback. Charter Hall's in a similar league. So I'll have a hold on, on Charter okay. Hall. Uh, Carl, Charter Hall. 
Yeah, Michael uh, summed it up really, really well. And I guess just through his tone, you're just understanding how hard it is for us as analysts to, to come up with, uh, you know, ideas and recommendations for clients in, in what is really a tough time in the market. So we do have a very high quality stock. We do have an excellent model, which is basically sort of, you know, um, d develop, um, spin off, you know, manage, rinse, repeat. And they've just been uh, almost, uh, if not the best, in the industry at doing that. Goodman uh, Group is probably still my favourite in the sector. Uh, but the problem right now is that, um, obviously, Michael mentions interest rates. I think that is a bit of a big deal. Uh, and obviously, it's it's harder for these guys um, because, well, I guess these guys are probably a bit more capital light than others, but um, mm. you know, higher rates, uh, higher financing costs, and then less ability to pass that on. So that could be an issue as well. Um, but the, the, the real point here is you've got a very high quality stock that if you look at the chart is probably going to go down, uh, go down further. So um, it, it's what makes it tough is when, when you when you do the fundamentals, and you say, I really like this company. And then you look at the chart, and you say, geez, I can't buy that. Uh, and if you can't buy it, then why would you hold it as well? And you know that there could be some short term pain. So here's the problem. Uh, do I call it a hold knowing it could go down another 10 or 15 percent before this this current correction is over? Um, even though it's a quality stock, or do I say, well, get out now and maybe try and back, buy it back cheaper? And that's a tricky game in itself. Um, so as I said at the start, I, I, I'm quite publicly announcing now that I really don't know what to do in many cases. I suspect, my, you know, on this, in this case, my gut is saying, sell some of your holdings, take some profits here. It is a quality company, so hang on to it. If the market goes back up, you've still got half. But if it gets worse, you can use that cash that you've just realised here to potentially buy back some more later down the track. Okay, all right. Uh, and next stock, um, Carl is Bravura uh, Solutions. Malcolm wants a view on that. Malcolm's saying, in my inexpert eye, uh, their recently released financial reports were good, but the share price has been hammered. Can you explain it to me? It's a, um, an administration software, is it, for funds management groups in the financial services industry? Yeah, look, um uh, if it's Malcolm, Malcolm shouldn't feel so bad about uh, feeling uh, like a non-expert at the moment, because I'm certainly feeling his pain uh, just looking at some of the, you know, the, the market moves. Um, but yeah, they do, uh, they do a bunch of so your compliance, they do your compliance, they do, um, they manage uh, your, your platforms as well. Yep. Uh, they manage your, your client onboarding um, uh, statements. It, you know, it's sort of a one-stop shop if you've got a financial advice business, whether it's here in Australia, they've got operations uh, in a, in the US and the UK as well. Um, obviously, we're, we're in a structural decline in the Australian industry because of uh, regulatory changes. A lot of their growth is coming from overseas right now, and, and that um, that still looks good. Um, so again, another one of those um, situations where, yeah, there is a very uh, good, very strong business underlying um, uh, what has been a, a tough period for them, a tough period for them um, through through COVID and, and through, I guess, the structural decline of the Australian um, financial services market, but one that is potentially turning the corner as well. So look, I, it's it's uh, like VGL. It's one that I, that I like. Um, I'm going to watch it, but I can't be a buyer just yet because the chart looks horrible. And it, yeah. it's a recurring theme, isn't it, today for me, where, oh, that looks interesting. And then I look at the chart, and the chart is a train wreck. Um, and as I said, it doesn't matter what I think. I think the stock might be cheap, but if the market hates it, and the market's going to hate it for another 20% down, I've just got to sit on my hands and just wait. Uh, and there will be a buying opportunity. I know we, we get a bit antsy with our cash and think, oh, that's got to be the low. Uh, <laughs> but if the GFC, GFC taught us anything, um, that low could be a lot, lot further down. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm going to say um, great company. 
you, you could squint and say hold it, but uh, let, let's just say pass uh, for okay. me. Um, Michael, what about you? Um, they're not exactly the same, but some of the other financial platforms, mm. they've had a hammering as well, haven't they? Yeah. NetWealth and Hub and all of them. Well, Bavura's got like people like City, uh, Fidelity. So they're very large businesses globally, large super funds in Australia. And it's been very difficult for them during COVID to meet and greet and win new business. Ah, and, and these aren't typically small deals. These are large scale deals where they're not being decided over the phone. It's often you've got to get in front of the key decision makers and, and come to an agreement. And, and many of these companies during COVID um, didn't want to spend the time or the money in doing these quite big transitions um, at that time. And they've struggled with that. They've had seen revenue pick up recently, although they've had to downgrade guidance by 25%, which is a, a big decline because of increasing staff costs. Um, they've had to obviously lay staff off, then bring mm. them back on now that, okay. that we're returning to normal. So this is a company that did lure us in there. We were invested probably beginning of last year. Initially it was doing quite well and then started to fall away quite rapidly as that chart demonstrates. Yep. Uh, and that's because it was just taking longer and longer um, for things to return to normal. Obviously, Omicron emerged out of left field. That set their recovery plans back. And ever since then, it's just been on a further downward slide. So it's one that we did tap out of, uh, took a small loss. But we do like the business. It was obviously good enough mm. quality to lure us there in the Almost first place. Almost a five-year low now. Yeah, so it is one we've got on the radar because at some point we'll look to maybe re-enter. Right. Um, it just depends, though, on whether the company can emerge from their slumber, um, cycle through these increasing expenses, get all their staff back on board, and then start to deliver the okay. revenue off the back of that. Because there is a bit of a lag from when you bring, bring people back on to the, getting the results yep. of them working. So it's a good quality business, so there's no shame in, in holding it, but I think it's worth just leaving it for now and looking elsewhere and, and then keep an eye on them. Okay. Uh, Michael, Ava wants a view on Sky Network TV. Uh, I thought it was Sky TV, Sky News here in Australia. No, no relation. Of course, Sky News is part of Foxtel and News Corp and the whole thing. Hasn't changed at all. This is uh, New Zealand's, I think it's their, their biggest private oh, yeah. uh, TV owner. So both free to wear and also subscription TV. Yeah, this was once a great business. Um, yeah. Very, very good in that pay TV space similar to a Foxtel, I suppose. Yeah. They had the market dominated. Um, and then obviously, like everyone else, they've had to struggle with the emergence of your Netflixes and all your different streaming yeah. services. And, and what that's done is it's forced them to almost launch their own streaming type service, which is a, a decent way to retain customers, but it's on a far, far lower margin than what people were paying before. So it's a challenging environment for them at the moment because they're obviously having to spend a fair bit in capex yeah. to build and up that part market. of their business. It's a very small market um, and it's just a very challenging environment. They are making a decent fist of it, but they're going to have to spend a lot in the short term before they potentially see any okay. results from that spending. So it's a sell for mine. Okay. Carl? Sorry, I had a, a mute there. We're going to diverge, I think, on this one because I think this one is a buy. How about that? The first one of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of the few stocks that we've talked about today. Obviously, 40Q's up. Hey, all the material stocks are up, uh, cause up. But it's one of the few other stocks that is actually up today. And that's a really great sign. So stocks up um, you know, in a broader market that's uh, you know, 
really, really under pressure. Uh, so that's telling you that, um, you know, investors are there, you know, that the algorithms are there slowly picking this up. Um, it's not part of the market basket, so it's not getting sold down today. What I mean by that, it's not in the ASX 200, it's not in the ASX yep. 300, so it's not getting that um, that forced selling from your index funds. So if you take that out of it, the, the underlying de- demand supply fundamentals are buy. Uh, and the reason for that is, yes, it's a, it's a big fish in a small pond, let's face it, but it's, it's very cheap, it's trading about nine times earnings does appear to have turned the corner in, um, in, in, in terms of those earnings. It's had a, a, a tough run, as Michael has said, uh, but another one of those turnaround plays. Um, but unlike uh, Bravura and, and VGL, the chart is now bottom left, top right again uh, and, and looking pretty strong. So I'm going to okay. go, um, uh, you know, it, look, the valuation supports this, but I'm going to go a technical analysis buy here. And by that, I okay. mean, you, you, if, if you're going to buy it, you need to keep watching the chart. Um, you, you need to be able to be attentive for those signs that momentum, the upside momentum that is there, very much there, is beginning to, to change. All and right. therefore, you might need to manage okay. your exit. But for now, technical analysis buy. Excellent. All right. Final stock, uh, Grain Corp, the uh, uh, the big uh, grain handling sort of uh, was, a, was a government enterprise, then got floated out, Carl. Uh, I notice a bumper wheat harvest has been recorded in Australia and wheat prices are at a record high after the, uh, with the Russian, because Ukraine is a big, big, big wheat grower as well. Yeah, look, absolutely. It's their, their bull market at the moment. It's been so for a couple of years. But if you go, uh, you know, for the three years before that, it was a, a total disaster for them with, um, yep. you know, negative earnings on the back of um, a terrible crop yields. So, uh, you know, drought, et cetera, et cetera. So it is an agricultural stock. I can make this one pretty quick. Agricultural stocks, for me, are momentum plays. Um, they're not long-term core portfolio holdings. They're not for your sleep at night investors. They are for your traders. Uh, which you know I've got a lot of clients that that are traders. Yep. So we follow the charts in that in that regard. Uh, we look less at the fundamentals because they can change very quickly, and we just follow the charts. Um, and therefore, the chart is bottom left, top right. This is one of my top ten charts, Koshi. I have been uh, tweeting about this one. If people yep. follow me on Twitter, it's been one of those excellent charts that we, we I put up each day. Um, I continue to to hold it. I would continue to buy it at this stage, but on the mm. basis that you are able to monitor that chart okay. going forward. All right. Uh, echo Carl's preliminary um, thoughts about sort of ag stocks. You've got to be very careful. There's no doubt we're in a perfect storm at the moment yep. for, for grain. Um, the fact is, you know, historically, the Ukraine, um, Russia with their wheat production can be a negative because they flood the market yep. um, during that when they have good, good years. But for mine, it's at the peak of the cycle. All divisions are, are performing very, very well. It's on a very good free cash flow yield. But you know, after the rain comes the, the droughts and then we'll be yep. talking a very different story. So I'm just very cautious of that. I can see why from a technical perspective, it looks good, but from a fundamental perspective, it's very difficult to value this thing two, three, four years out because right. we just are so uncertain about what the future holds. So a note from you no, or a from mine, a, yep. a sell okay. from mine. Okay, all right, you've had a good run. Take some profits. Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets. Uh, always great to have you on board. And as I said before, Follow Carl on Twitter. It's, uh, if you love your charts as I do, um, <laughs> he he puts out a huge amount every day, which is fabulous. All right, mate. Thank you for that, Michael Wayne Appreciate from Medallion. Good Thanks. to see you, sir. Enjoy the rest of the week. It's good to be here. Look forward to being back in a couple of weeks with a, a better outlook. Yeah, exactly. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Uh, let's re- recap the final five stocks: uh, Lithium Energy, a no from both uh, Charter Hall, no from Carl, hold from uh, Michael. Bravura, a no from both. Good company. Um, has lost momentum. Keep watching it. 
because there is a turnaround possibility. Sky is a buy from Carl, a sell from Michael and Graincorp, a buy from Carl and a sell from Michael as well. If you've got any stocks that uh, you want us to have a look at for me to put to our expert panel, uh, put them in an email to call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Uh, find all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And-